0: Tonight's episode of the 31st Lap Podcast is brought to you by DirtTrackDigest.com. If it's on dirt, it's on dirttrackdigest.
1: This is the 31st Lap Podcast recorded live in the studios of fingerlegs1.com in downtown Seneca
0: Falls, New York. And now, your host, Chris Marquardt. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this edition of the 31st Lap Podcast, episode number 256 on deck tonight. Uh, a busy week of racing happening here. We've got uh, the truck series going to be running at Eldora, which is one of the reasons for our earlier start time, because everybody's going to be tuning into that on uh, Fox Sports 1. After that, uh, we're going to be heading into the 360 and 410 Knoxville Nationals. So on the national sc- scene, in terms of the dirt track stuff, lots of lots of cool things coming. Uh, dirt tr- Super Dirt Car Series was in action this week, we might be able to squeeze in a little bit of time on that. It's been a long time since we've been together. So glad to have all you folks tuning in. Tonight's show, uh, first and foremost, is going to be focused on uh, Jared Ash. Awesome news for Jared, coming away with his 1st 410 win over at the Port Royal Speedway. Uh, positively, no easy task right there, uh, picking up that win. Jared is waiting on the line with us. Jared, man, welcome to the show, and by all means, congratulations on the win. That, uh, that's That's got to be a special one.
1: Hey, thanks a lot for having me on. A
0: pleasure and honored to be uh, on the show. For sure, uh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure you've been doing a lot of these here the last the last two weeks, um, picking up that win at Port Royal, uh, July the 21st. You haven't had a chance to get back into the 410 at Port Royal since then. Got some racing coming up this week. How has uh, how has the attention been since the checkered flag fell?
1: Uh, you know, it's been really cool, and it's uh, you know, it's something you kind of always dream about doing, and you know, you know, it's still a lot, a long way to go to get some where you want to be. Some of these guys, you know, Brad Sweet, Donnie Schatz, David Gravel, you know, even where my dad's career went. I got a long way to go, but that first one always seems to be the hardest to get. So it's uh, it's really cool to be able to get that one. But you know, this week coming up, we got the dream race, and that way, that win's gone. It's a new week, and it's uh, time to get after it again.
0: What's it been like preparing for this week um, with the extended time off? and coming off of a win. It's something that you haven't done before with the 410. Other other divisions, obviously, you've gotten ready following wins, such like, but with the 410, specifically getting ready for Port Royal, uh, leading up to this week, is there a different atmosphere in the shop trying to get the car ready?
1: Well, actually, decided, uh decided to hit the wall and try to screw up my win there. I had to do some repairs. Uh, we actually broke the frame and bent it a little bit and had to replace the front axle and stuff, so... Playing catch up with getting some parts together and stuff like that, but no, you just uh, just fine tune your stuff, you know, spend some time to sit down with the guys and just talk. And you know, it's a big game this weekend with you know, you got a semi feature there and then the main event, mm-hmm. See a lot of stuff going on. Just go through all your stuff and make sure everything's perfect. And you know, that's the first battle, it's actually probably the biggest battle is just making sure everything's ready to go. And you know, yeah. you can't have any equipment failures because even if you're you know, your car is the best car out there, if you got Parts equipment failures, you know, you don't get a chance to get that victory. So we've just been spending some time going through everything, um, and just trying to make sure everything's as uh, as good as it can be and ready to go.
0: Now let's let's jump in the time machine a little bit and go back to I think it was the week prior to the win when you were leading and then got tangled up with a lapped car and and it ended it ended the bid for the win. Um, then. What, what was that was it defeating was it just oh just a racing thing was there was there a sense of loss that that came with that
1: but actually the me and the lap car almost got close to touching but that wasn't the reason that we were able to had to drop out there you know when we got back with that restart i noticed that the motor sounded like it was going sour and we, um so we pulled in there and luckily i did in time that all the nozzles were clogged i don't know if we got some stuff in the fuel or you know, just you know, something happened, whatever it was, but it was actually clogged all the nozzles and was pretty close to probably blowing up. Sure. And luckily was able to save it there and that actually was the motor we came back and won with. Uh where our best motor was getting rebuilt and our other one we heard at Speed Week. So the <laughs> motor we won with was the oldest one we had and probably about thirty year old motor, but luckily it, it uh it's made it through the weekend of almost trying to blow up and held on to for a win.
0: So we'll go to that win right there. You've got a thirty-year-old motor in it. Uh, Did you imagine that the stars would align to get your first win with that particular piece between the rails? Take nothing away from the motor, but still a thirty-year-old piece versus the best motor at the shop. There's a reason why this one wasn't in the car all along.
1: Yeah, and for sure. And and honestly, I tried a long time ago. You know, I shouldn't say a long time ago because I haven't been racing that long. But you know, when I first started this journey, is to just. Go out and do your deal. And I've watched my dad a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of times you can get yourself over psyched up and, you know, make mistakes and stupid mistakes that you know better than, and, you know, sometimes cost you a win. And I think that's why, being a kid, Fred Raymer used to always talk about winning from the pole was the hardest thing to do because you start on the front row. You're like, man, I got to win this. No mistakes. And, you know, we got to start ninth there. We didn't have a very good heat race, missed the the handicap system that Port Roll does, mm-hmm. and started ninth. And I think. Out of the nine cars, probably almost all top eight in points or ten in points were in the top, you know, eight there. I think there might have been one or two that weren't. But, you know, starting ninth, I was just going to go do my race and do the best I could and see what happens. And I think sometimes when you relax and just go out and race like we did, you know, sometimes it just breeds, breeds a little bit more success because you're calmer in the car. and You don't overextend and, do, you know, make mistakes, but you just go out there and race and whatever happens,
0: happens. How how challenging is it to race at Port Royal as a whole? I mean, you've got some of the best names in, in 410 sprint car racing each and every week, and you're starting behind eight of them on on this particular night, regardless of where you might be otherwise. How tough is it to race against the competition at Port Royal and also race against the track? Because it, it's it, at those speeds, it's not easy to drive anywhere.
1: Yeah, Port Royal is insane. You know, you've got to... <laughs> every week it seems you're on the fence, you know, a foot from the fence running around like you would at somewhere like, you know, out West or, you know, some of those California tracks where you're up on the wheel running an inch from the wall, but then also it's dead slick, you know, crazy slide jobs. You got some of the, I think the toughest competition on a weekly basis is at Port Royal Speedway. And, um, and it's just an awesome facility to be a part of. So yeah, it's a, it's an insane place to race. You know, when you're running into turn one, I I think a, a year or two ago I remember Tony Stewart coming up to you know, we were standing there at the racetrack and Tony Stewart came up and said getting into one at Port Royal is more aggressive than getting into one at Daytona. And <laughs> with that you know, that wall that you run in there with the wall I don't even know how tall it is, twenty, thirty feet tall. Right. And the fast speeds and you know, when you're running a couple inches away from it sometimes it seems and bumping it, it's a it's an insane place and it really uh it really is why some of the better drivers I think show And, you know, some of the guys that run there can leave there and go win at other big racetracks because it's just such a tough place and it hones your skills so well.
0: So take me through that element right there. You know, you've got the competition, you've got the the speed of the track, and you've got the challenges with it. You're you're running a 30-year-old motor with it. And even at that, you're at a point where you can almost win the race and then you catch the wall did you think oh man here it goes two weeks in a row or two races in a row rather
1: yeah exactly that's exactly what i thought actually last probably close to this time last year i was out front leading and i got i think might be behind the lap car or something i was still pretty young um i'm not even still two years in i don't think as far as a career wise in a 410 but you know last year was my first full year and i got behind a lap car and got trying a little too hard and made a mistake and got into the fence and we dropped out leading with a pretty big lead. And when I did it just what two weeks ago here, um, I was like, "Well, there we go again. I just did it again. I you know threw away the race. Um, you know, I, you want to hit yourself in the head, but you just kind of got to gain your composure." And when I went into three there, I knew something was wrong. And I was like, "Well, I'm just going to run the bottom and do the best I can, and you know whatever happens happens." And some fan was leaning out over the it's like into the track where I could see his arms and he was showing me that I had a lead still. And I was like, well, maybe I can still pull this off and just kind of mustered through and mustered through. And I could see that he was showing me my lead was getting smaller and smaller. And at that point I was like, you know what, screw it. If I'm going to win this thing, I'm going to win it with, you know, winner to wear it. And that's when I decided to go back to the top of the racetrack. And I don't think if I'd have done that, we had a chance to win it. And luckily, you know, I was able to finish and pull it off and the damage wasn't too bad, but yeah, I just got out front there by myself and probably was pushing a little too hard you know it's like i said it's really easy to get amped up and get excited and you know, made a mistake and got into one and two a little too aggressive and got into the fence and luckily everything was on our side looking out for us i guess
0: did you hear any motors around you at that point did you hear anybody getting louder louder
1: no i didn't i you know i was able to you know maneuver through lap cars there even running the bottom and i was like i still felt pretty good but I, I think when I decided to move up there, we still had a decent lead. It wasn't mm-hmm. huge. But at that point, I just kind of, you know, that, that fan really helped us out there. Right. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really hear anything. I kind of just was – if honestly if it wasn't for that, I probably would have just kept doing my deal too it. It was too late and I probably would have got passed. But, you know, luckily, you know, I guess when it's your time, it's your time and all the stars align for us.
0: Well, I mean, that's one of the dangers of leading, right? You're out front, and you're not searching around to find that fastest line. If you think you feel good on the bottom, all of a sudden, everybody, the whole train passes you on the top.
1: Yeah, and that's what's really hard, and that's one thing that sprint car racing, I think, is way different than any other motorsports is, you know, not wing sprint car racing, but, you know, wings or spring car racing in a whole, whether it be, you know, even down the Midgets or USAC or anything like that is, you know, we don't know what's happening, and sometimes being the leader is the... The hardest thing is you're running a line and you feel good and you're, you're making good moves and everything like that, but there might be a guy come behind you that's way faster, and that kind of happened there two weeks or would have been three weeks ago, I guess running uh before we pulled in there as i was running through the middle and you know watched a race a couple weeks ago where lance won that same line and felt pretty good and dylan cisney decided he had a little bit bigger balls and i didn't pass me on the top and i had no idea that anybody would even go up there right and it's just it's that hard deal of when you're out front like that it's, you just don't know what's happening behind you and i think that's what makes sprint car racing you know way more exciting than any other motorsports are
0: how do you get your composure back I mean, you're moving so fast, you're, by the time you realize that you hit the wall, now you're halfway down the back stretch. You've got you to focus on making your mark for turn three. You're worrying what's coming behind you. How do you get that composure back? Because everything's happening so fast.
1: I spent a lot of time, you know, my dad never wrote me a check. He never said, here, go buy a new car. Here, I'll buy you a truck and trailer. But what I was able to do, was I watched a lot of what he did throughout his career and you know I have was very fortunate in that aspect that yeah my dad might not have spent a bunch of money on my racing career but he taught me a lot more than probably most people could and a lot of times it was just you know I'd go to the racetrack on a Friday night when I wasn't racing and I would just watch and watch and watch and not only watch him but watch everybody else and I'd go to an outlaw show and watch more and I just spent I'd go stand in a corner here and go stand in a corner there and I just would watch a lot of things people did and whether, you know, when they dropped their elbow to enter the corner and when they nosed into the corner and how early they lifted. And I'm not saying that's, you know, was able to, that all helped me gain my composure, but just spending a lot of time watching, listening and learning, you know, you watch those guys that, you know, everybody has been in a situation where the composure needs to be gained. And I just watched how people and, you know, in previous years and people that are, you know, amazing in this sport, how they handle them situations and, you know, just try to apply it to some of the stuff that I do.
0: One of the things that I always like to ask, you know, first time winners or, or people that came off of big wins and stuff like that is at what point did you know the race was yours?
1: I honestly thought when I got when I got the third and passed and got to the lead, I thought for sure, you know, without being, you know, still being humble that you no, know, I think we got a pretty good shot at this. And even after I hit the fence and, you know, got ran the bottom there and got back to the top, and we were cruising around, and I was like, you know what, I feel okay. I think I got this. I think I got this. And a call, she came out with two to go. Right. And I was like, this I just lost the rate. This is not where I want to be. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to maintain a perfect line on the restart. I got I knew something on my right front was broke. I wasn't sure my nose thing was flapping around, and I didn't know what was broke on the right front. My steering wheel was not in the same location. It was you know where I normally run it. So I knew something and the steering was off. Right. I was like I don't think I have enough. You know I can run into one and two on the restart here hard enough to be able to hold them off and win. So I'm idling around. And my motor starts sputtering, and I'm like, I'm running out of fuel. And so we're sputtering around there. I got a broken front end. I'm running out of fuel, and I, you know, on the restart there, I made a last, waited till the last minute to try to, you know, catch him off guard. And sure. I don't know how it worked. You know, we're going down the last two laps. The things sputtering, and I'm trying to make myself as wide as I can down the last straightaway there to check or just if anybody's on me, just to try to block as much as I can, but. Like I said, when it's your time, it's your time. And, you know, luckily the stars aligned and everything.
0: How was it catching? You know, once you got to that third spot you thought it was yours, how was it catching up to second and, and, and getting past them and moving up to the first and, and getting past them?
1: It was crazy, you know. When there was a restart there, I think pretty early in the race and we were behind Logan Wagner and them. And when I got past those guys and got the up to third and was chasing them down, I was like, you know, you're never really sure how good you are you know, to be racing and, you know, start reeling people in. And I was like, wow, we're a lot better than I thought we were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you catch those guys and, you, you know, you kind of have a, a slight, you know, amp, you're kind of amped up in the seat and everything like that. And you're kind of watching them race each other. And you're just kind of chuckling going, keep racing each other. Cause I'm coming, right. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> but no, it's just cool. When you get that confident feeling in a race car, there's was just no other feeling is when you feel good, you know, they're uh, they're just really fun to drive, and it's, even you know, even if you don't win, when you get a comfortable race car, it's just, there's nothing like it, and it don't happen often because of the variables of the sport, but, you know, that might, we just happened to, I felt super comfortable, everything just aligned, and it, you know, when I got to third there, I was, I knew we had a good shot at it, and I was, I was ready to ready to get after it.
0: What did Dad tell you first thing in victory lane?
1: Dad actually wasn't there. He was, Dad don't make it to many races, he, uh, after he got out in 2017, he um, got a little house in the Chesapeake City area. Right. Or Chesapeake Bay area, I'm sorry. It's yep. northeast Maryland. And um, he don't come much. He does goes down there and you know, has a, my uncle has a boat, and they go out boating and have some fun with friends and stuff. And that was kind of his way to get away from racing. But... So that was a tough one. He actually called me in Victory Lane and we were talking for a little bit and you know, that's probably what have made it that much sweeter if my dad would have been there. But sure. you know, I knew he was there in spirits and we talk a lot. You know, sometimes we text throughout the night and we call each other. Um you know, when we have time, downtime and stuff, but no, my dad's been my he might not always be there but he's been the number one supporter and has taught me uh, taught me a lot and it's really why I'm where I am today.
0: Does, is that a conscious learning effort I mean do you, does he sit down and say hey this is this is what you need to do as, as if you're reading a textbook or you're in a college class or is it just uh, is, is it skilled by absorption just by being around it and seeing what they're doing and you're you're observing what's happening and and that is then just kind of innately ingrained in what you're doing
1: I'd say a lot of it's just off of absorption you know there's definitely been times where I've said hey dad on a restart, you know, what do you think I should do here? Or You know, how would you go about this? And he's definitely giving me his opinion there. But like I said, I think growing up, I've spent so much time just absorbing everything and watching and, you know, even just how to work on the car, just right. down to, you know, what bolts and what wrenches and everything, you know, is all just, I think i spent a lot of time absorbing and I, I try to be very observant to the things that are going on around me. And, I think that's really helped me, you know, even when I ran my own deal and stuff, just to kind of, you know, when I got into racing when I was, you know, in 2010, I bought my first micro, and my dad was racing every weekend still, sure. and I was on my own going to the races, and he's and I, he's like, "You're, I got your back, 100% support you, but you're on your own, and you got to figure it out, and that's how he did it, and I was lucky enough that I had when I was younger to be able to look at and watch and ever see everything that he did so that when I did get out on my own, you know, I could apply it to my own situation.
0: Does, is there pressure that comes with having Doug Ash, Doug, excuse me, having Doug Ash as your dad?
1: No, I don't really think of it as that. I think of more of it as an honor and you know, I do try to live up to his name and you know carry on the legacy of being his son, but other than that, you know I'm just out there to race and have fun. And I don't, I know he expects no different out of me than to do the same. Is just go have fun and do your deal. Um, but I take it more as an honor than I do pressures anything like that. You know, I, I'm very honored to be able to say my dad's Doug Esh and have him teach me everything that he has and be able to watch his career as a little kid grow and you know spe- be a part of some of the big wins that he had.
0: Is there? instead of so much the pressure is there it sounds to me like you have an appreciation for it you know you you appreciate the the history a student of the game kind of thing it's it's yeah my dad's Doug Ash but but yeah Doug Ash is my dad it's a it's a two-way street to to balance that respect of everything that he's done and 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 respect of his career but at the same time it's it's your dad and 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 there has to be that father-son approachability you have to be able to go ask those questions was there ever um, was there ever a a historical reverence where you didn't want to go ask the questions, and, and there was the inapproachability uh, to that?
1: No, honestly, me and my dad, or I should say, my dad and I, we work together mm-hmm. and have a you know run a business together, and we're best right. friends. So we talk about anything from you know our dog running away to what clothes we just bought at the store to our favorite meal, to drinking a beer. Like we do everything together. You know, there's not a, there's not a thing we don't talk about, not a thing we probably haven't done together. So, you know, when it comes to something like that, it's just another topic of conversation with us. And I'm very, very happy to be able to have a relationship like that with my dad, not only in racing, but everything else in life, um, you know, we can be the kind of the best of buds with and, you know, talk about and we get along really well and then to run a business together and you know and as he gets older he's stepping away more and I'm getting more involved someone sure. they take it over to where he can sit back and kind of watch it you know watch it all run and everything like that enjoy retirement off of it is it's a pretty cool thing
0: what was it like growing up in and around that race shop I mean the the, the success that that Doug himself had and then the different people that have been in that car that have ended up parking it in Victory Lane, um, it's got to be pretty cool to grow up around that.
1: Yeah, see, one of the... Dick and Leslie Leach, who are still great supporters of mine, are probably the biggest memorable moment of when I grew up. You know, I was a little younger. My dad ran through 58s there, but I was still pretty young at that point. I was there, but I don't remember much. And then when he moved on to the 39 car, I helped them a lot. But uh it still was not quite a family like the thirty team was and like I said, they still come every weekend and watch me race and still sponsor my car and that's probably really well I learned a lot. But it was it was I was an annoying kid running around yelling Dad, Dad and, you know, the crew guys would tie my hands and feet together and push me over and laugh and you know, it was I was a little annoying kid that was but I it was the driver and everybody had to kinda of be nice to me a little bit. But it was it was an awesome thing as a kid. I remember being you know, a couple nights things would happen where they got in an incident on a Friday night and they'd go back and tear an entire car apart and put it back together for Saturday and I'd fall asleep in Dad's seat, you know, because I'd have to tear it out of the car and as a little kid. Just being around it, you know, kept me out of trouble and you just taught you how to work and that's probably why I'm so grateful for the opportunities I was able to be a part of is it just taught me how to work and how to figure things out. And just There's a lot of things that I'm able to carry on to my crew now that growing up in you know, especially Dick and Leslie Leach's race shop has just uh has taught me so much, and not only in racing, but as far as you know, family and friends and everything is just uh it's a great thing what racing can do to a group of people is how it can be bring everybody together. It's a it's a pretty cool thing.
0: How did I? I know how you got into racing. You were you were around it your entire life. Was there ever was there ever a question, or was there ever an option to? to, to where you were going to be moving into racing as a whole.
1: So when I was younger, I was always beating my dad that I wanted to race. I wanted to race. I wanted to race. And he was just never, never able to, you know, financially do that for me. And so I kind of, for a couple of years, stepped away. I started playing football and basketball and, you know, I kind of just was starting to do my own thing. I was probably in middle school, getting into high school and was doing some of the teenager stuff mm-hmm. and I was was probably 15 going on 16. I told my dad, I, I, I want to race. Like, this is the time I want to race. I'll do whatever it takes. And he's like, you know, I'll help you, but I'm not buying it for you. And I had enough money saved up in my savings account. I went out and bought a 254 stroke micro and he had a little open landscaping trailer to let me use. And that's how I started going to the races. Actually, when I was racing, I first started racing, I had to bum rides off people every week to get me there. I'd, you know whether my mom took me, my grandpa, my cousin, because I wasn't old enough to drive. And then when I was old enough to drive, I every Saturday I would take myself to the races, and that's just how it started. And, you know, we'd call each other and talk a little bit on the phone, and we, you know, he helped me out. But you know, when I decided to make the decision to get into the racing world, you know, he like he told me, "I got your back and I support you, but you're on your own and you need to figure it out." Kind of like he had to when he was a kid. And I, you know, when I was a kid and. and Looking back, I was always irritated and wish he would have helped me more. But, you know, now after especially you worked hard enough to get your first win, it's I'm really glad that he, you know, never – I never had anything handed to him. I always had to work for it. Right. And when you get something like your first 410 four win, I think it means that much more that, you know, when I was a kid, yes, I would have loved my dad there to be at the racetrack, but it allowed me to work harder and I had to figure things out on my own. And I think it's helped me get to where I'm at today.
0: The – the racing itself you you said you've been in there for you've been in 410s for only two years and and honestly when i was reading up on on everything and getting ready for the show tonight i got the vibe that you've been in the car a little bit longer than that Uh, what was the feedback from um your peers and and some of the generation above where you're at right now some of the some of the trickle-down feedback i guess from some of your dad's peers on finally picking up that 410 win
1: it was really cool, like I say, you know, digging Leslie Leach, you know, for them to reach out and you know, he wasn't able to be there. I forget where they were at, but he's calling me and I can hear his wife, Leslie, in the background screaming and you know, it was just really cool, like and then Dennis Kohler, who was my dad's crew chief when they ran on the thirty car. Um, he was now helping me. So it's just a whole, it's almost like a you know, family history been passed down and it's really right. cool not only for fathers, sons to win races in Portland, but also to have my dad's order owner and you know old crew chief helped me and it's just you know all the friends you know some of the friends we camp and party with or some of the same people I remember being a little kid running <laughs> around with and it's just uh, like I said it's not only a, a win thing but it's a whole family tradition of just friends and family and you know just being passed down and so it's, it's really cool to have some of those people still be a part of a win like that for my first one that not only were they were they were a huge part of my dad's career as well
0: what what's next i mean this weekend you've got the dream event uh of course at port royal you've got uh, uh, the rest of the season to to go through um now that we got the first win on the che- uh, checked off of the list what's next where where do you want to go from here
1: you know i really hope we can get racing more um we want to try to get to the grove more and you know, maybe get to the national open to some shows at lincoln at the end of the year but you know ultimately for me i want to you know, when I was, you know, every kid says they kind of want to do this as a, you know, as a living, and you know, some get the opportunity, some don't. And luckily enough, you know, Brian, my car owner, gave me the opportunity to do what I'm doing now, and I hope to just keep working off of that and get to the point where I can, you know, maybe run the All Star Tour, and then, you know we get lucky enough, maybe get out out the outlaw tour. It anymore, it's super hard to do that. It seems hmm. so. Even if I was a weekend warrior in Central PA. You know, and they were able to do that for the next twenty some years and you know, I'd be super content with that. But right. my goal would be to get somewhere where I can race and travel and travel is a business thing as I really like seeing new places and that's why we try to do Speed Week every year is you know, you get to race nine times in nine days and nine different racetracks and it's just a lot of fun and being able to experience new things I think helps to make you a better driver, you know, when you gotta adjust to different circumstances and situations. Instead of the race same racetrack every week is uh is a huge thing and you know it's a lot of fun as well we're, so hopefully that comes in down the road but as of right now we're just going to keep focusing on what we got and do the best i can with the situation i've been handed and have a lot of fun doing it
0: where um we're, what are some of the tracks that you want to get to that you have not had the chance yet
1: uh, i was able to get out when i was 12 or 13 to watch my dad at knoxville and with that weekend coming up that's something always you know Sparks my interest. I really want to get out there and race, you know, not even necessarily for the nationals, because that's some, that's a huge, huge dog fight,
0: <laughs> yeah, but is. just
1: to get out there and uh and race places like that, I really want to get to Eldor and charlotte Just some of these big race tracks that have so much history and meaning to the sport, you know it'd just be a fun fun thing to do to be able to participate and get the race at uh some of these tracks.
0: Well, I mean, you've got a you got a little bit of an opportunity. the the, the dream itself this weekend, paying ten thousand to win. It's not uh, not too shabby of a payday. I don't know how far that's going to go if the number one motor was still at the shop, but certainly something to squirrel away and help you get through the rest of the season. Um, they say that once you get the first win, the rest of the, the rest come easy.
1: Yeah, I hope so. You know, I think <laughs> uh, I think any more the way this sport is, and especially the competition at Port Royal, is you never know the next one, and you never know when it's going to come. So you got to take advantage of get that opportunity or that right night to make one happen you got to take it the best advantage of it you can and make sure all your stuff's right in a row and ready to go because it's the competition anymore on a weekly basis is it's so tough and everyone's so close and you know just got to be have that perfect night go together and and, you know luckily enough we were to have that and you know it could be our we could get another perfect night like that this year or we couldn't you know just going to keep working at it and do the best we can. I can't thank all my my crew enough. They are doing a, a hell of a job this year, working, and we had a long, some long nights and tough nights, and everybody just keeps digging and doesn't give up. So we're gonna see what we can give them for this
0: uh, for the Dream Race this weekend. and Do the best we can and have some fun. Sharon Speedway for the Super Dirt Car Series rained out, and then they moved on to the Eldora Dirt Derby 100 uh, coming up. That was last night. Eric Rudolph won that one. That one paid $10,000. Billy Decker, Matt Williamson, Matt Shepard, and uh, Rex King rounding out the top five. The Modifieds are going to be part of the Truck Series race as well. They're going to have a 20-lap Invitational. Uh, Modifieds have been out there as part of the, the stuff happening at Eldora for the last several years. Um, a couple of features back in the day as well. So a uh, little bit of a Eldora update there. The the racing tonight for the five qualifying heats for the truck is to go off at 7 o'clock. On Fox Sports 1 and then the 150 lap feature scheduled to go off at 9 p.m. Not 100% sure if we're going to get any of that 20 lap modified coverage, but I know everybody in Northeast is, is waiting for it. A lot of it, I think, given that it's live TV is contingent on how many red flags, stoppages, et cetera, we run into in that 7 to 9 o'clock hour. Um, Modified is obviously not the uh not the flavor of the day down there in in your neck of Pennsylvania, but have you ever had the chance to to get out and watch some of those? And and is there any any degree of interest when they do come uh, within earshot of your area? uh yeah, I have actually.
1: I got to um, watch them a couple times at Bridgeport, and I have yeah. been to the World Finals I think once or twice. Um, you know, sprint cars are obviously my heart and passion, yes. but uh, any kind of and dirt track racing to me is a good time. It's fun to watch, and you know, you watch what some of these guys can do in a sprint car, and then when you watch some of these guys doing a late model and a modified, and you know, as a kid, you know, I kind of was always hard on my dad, and we always joked around. But when you get into this sport and actually do it, you you develop utmost respect for anybody that's very that he that climbs into one to begin with, but then who is good at it and who has you know a lot of accomplishments and everything is is just unbelievable. And to watch, like I said, anybody you know model or modified you know class what they can do in their cars is, is crazy
0: right Stu Friesen, tim mccready come to mind matt shepherd and modified obviously but then those some of those guys that have done the crossover thing uh steve poyo <laughs> chuck Hebing. um uh, oh, i can't believe i'm blanking um jason barney and sean donath those guys that have been able to crossover and move into the sprint car ranks and, and find some success that's it's always good to see, but I think Stu Friesen probably top on the list in terms of crossing over from modifies to sprint cars. Danny Varen, Bobby Varen as well, finding success in in 360s and a little bit of 410 action. We saw those guys when they were running, uh, trying to chase down Davey Franick at Utica Rome a couple times this year, and then when uh, the All-Star Circuit of Champions were in town, Davey Franick looked like he had a real good shot at, at, at making some noise, but then he spun out in the first lap and, and had to battle back from the back, but... You know anybody that climbs into a race car that's uh, I gotta give them all the respect as well because it's something I've never had the opportunity to do and and after you look at how expensive it is, I, I don't want to risk having to tear somebody's stuff up.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly for sure. But yeah, I'm pretty excited you were mentioned about the truck race there. I actually probably wouldn't get off the phone here, you know, I'm gonna and do a couple of things around the house here, and then me and my father are gonna go down to the local bar and have a couple of drinks and watch the race on TV, so I'm looking forward to that always a fun thing to watch and uh really cool what outdoor does for the you know that truck race there
0: well that time's out perfect because so i was trying to keep the show about a half hour and we're at 5 right now so i think we're in pretty good shape
1: there you go sounds good
0: anybody you want to make mention of before we let you go i know you talked about the owners and the, the engine builder crew any sponsors or crew guys you want to call out
1: uh yeah i guess um you know ryan aaron zeller has a shop right there in port royal awesome awesome guy down the home guy and you know June of 2017 gave me a random call on a Friday night. I was sitting in my shop with my dad and said, "Hey, you want to come drive my car?" I've never even met the guy. Drove up and put my seat in, and we've been racing together since. <laughs> Took a team that was, you know, was I think mediocre to a team that was, uh, you know, capable of winning at Royal Speedway. So it's really cool, and I appreciate the opportunity. You know, Dennis Kohler, he's helping me, and he's an awesome coach and great, you know, great leader for the team, and uh, as well as a crew chief. Barry, Dean, Dave, um, three guys that come with us every week that couldn't do without them. And I got two kids, Tony and Luke, that young kids just love to be around the shop, kind of like I was when I was a kid. So it's really mm-hmm. cool to see that and have them come help me. And then we got a bunch of great sponsors, like I said, with uh, Dick and Leslie Leach, Leach's Automotive, Bud Springs Suspension, Willis Street Tire and Auto. Um, they've been helping me back from this, my 600 days, so it's really cool to have them on board still. Uh, BDI, the auction guy. Also, a great friend uh, from Port Royal. There comes in the shop every week and you know loves racing. is a great supporter. Uh, let me see, Matt Ezra is a local bar in town there in Mifflin Town. So it's pretty cool to have them on board. Hartley's Chips, one of the distributors, is a good friend of this. Comes into the shop all the time, and I'm sure I'm probably missing a couple others. Poncher's Racing Products, DMI, uh, Precise Racing Project, Products. And uh, I'm sure there's a couple others that I'm missing. I'm not always the best at uh, remembering <laughs> things. But, uh, no, there's just so many people that, that help us out and couldn't do it without all of them. And, you know, a driver gets some of the glory when when a win like this. But there are so many people behind the scenes that deserve just as much, if not more. So I really appreciate all the, all the help they give. Awesome.
0: Jerry, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, and I wish you the best of luck this weekend. Enjoy the, enjoy the race from Eldora. And checking again as the summer goes. Hopefully you pick up another win and we'll talk about it that too.
1: Hey, I really appreciate you having me on and uh, take care and thanks for everything you do for the sport. It's really cool what you know you and a couple other people do with these podcasts and stuff. It means a lot to us drivers and teams that you know we're not always on ESPN and you know, some of these big time stuff like the outlaws are. So anytime we can get a little bit of publicity it it helps our teams a lot. So I greatly appreciate it.
0: You bet, man. Anytime. Happy to help.
1: Yep. Thank you. Have a good one.
0: Thanks a lot. You too. Bye bye. There's a couple thoughts from Jared Esh following his win at the Port Royal Speedway. That's going to do it for us here. 256 is in the books. We appreciate all the folks that tuned in and hung out with us here. Tonight, I know everybody wants to get their TVs tuned in for uh, the rest of the racing with the Truck Series and that 20-lap modified Invitational. We will see everybody again. It'll probably be a little bit. We're going to be on the air with Final Round Drag Racing podcast next week, and then the following week, we're going to be off with both the crash course and uh, the 31st lap. going to be on delay because we're going to be in Iowa hanging out with some friends out that neck of the woods. So we do appreciate all of you folks again who continue to support the 31st lap. That is going to do it for us here at the North Park Building at Academy Square. We'll see everybody again next time. Thanks for watching.